This is Saturday Morning Mysteries. And we're your hosts, Alexis and Grace. Good morning, and welcome back to Saturday Morning Mysteries. We're your hosts. I'm Grace. And I'm Alexis. And we are here for our, what I believe is, 30th episode? Oh my God, 30th episode. Happy 30th episode. (laughs) You know what? This is like appropriate since we're both turning 30 in the next like six months. Couple of months, not even six months, but like, yeah, yeah, true. Real soon-ish this winter. So like happy 30th birthday to us. (laughs) I guess. (laughs) When it's your birthday, I'm just going to send you this clip. Okay, cool. That works just like, yeah, as a text, like, all right. I've done my part for the year. <laughs> this is my happy birthday to Bird. Which like by the time that it is our actual 30th birthdays, we'll probably be on like the 50th or 60th yeah. episode though. So it's like happy 60 months. Anyway, anyway. Anyways, welcome. Um, thanks for sticking with us for either, you know, this is your first episode joining in mm-hmm. uh, the last couple episodes, maybe just the courage arc. Maybe you've been here for all 30 episodes. Either in which way. case, we love you. Yes, the most. You're our favorite child then. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you haven't, you can become our favorite child by going back and listening to them all, liking, telling a friend, subscribing, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. And all the things. Yes, all of the things. And uh that's all I got. Happy 30th, everyone. Happy uh, 30th. <laughs> we've cool. got a story from uh, Alexis to continue our Courage the Cowardly Dog arc, which I hope you've all been loving as much as we have. So mm-hmm. take us away. I will take it away. And maybe this, this is probably a pretty good like 30th celebration Ooh. episode. We're going to be talking about some pretty raucous activity Perhaps talking okay. about some alcohol, some booze, things like that. Some stuff you might see pop up at a big shindig for a 30th celebration. Just as like a side note of like, I'm like, oh, yeah, Courage the cowardly birthday. No, no, I'm more like 30th birthday. Um, I'm like, I just want to like, you know, be reading a book and have like homemade <laughs> breakfast. Because I'm just like an old lady at heart. Yeah. and <laughs> Just like, right. Be in my PJs all day. Not like having shots of stuff, <laughs> like yeah. out partying, closing down bars. What? <laughs> like the far opposite of who I am, but I'm ready for courage uh, to party yeah. away. I would actually prefer to just like sit around and watch episodes of Courage the Cowardly <laughs> Dog on my third. It was like someone giving me a massage or something, <laughs> like at a Perfect. spa with courage and like Darkwing <laughs> Duck just playing on repeat. Yes. Is it my 30th excellent. birthday or my 12th birthday? Not sure. <laughs> Uh, no shame. Anyway, so today I'm going to hop right into today's episode. Um, please, I'm warning you, buckle in. This is a crazy one. This is a okay. wild. Today's episode, um, I had so much fun putting this together, Ooh, okay. watching this one. It is from season one, episode five, part B. Okay. And it is called The Clutching Foot. Um I think that this is one of the more iconic episodes of Courage the Cowardly Dog. Like if a random person stopped me in the middle of the street one day and said, hey, you, what's your favorite episode of Courage the Cowardly Dog? (laughs) I probably wouldn't be able to name the episode because I didn't remember the episode name until I wrote the script. But I would say, oh, the one with the big, this villain who we're going to talk about. I know, I'm like, who is it? (laughs) 
I'll get to that in a moment. So let me set the general historic backdrop (laughs) in which I believe uh, the villain in today's episode kind of came up in. And then I'm going to do a little bit of wild speculation about the villain and then we'll get into our episode. Okay. Okay. So the year is 1925. Okay. The recent, <laughs> the recent nationwide ban on the production, importation, distribution, and sale of alcohol mm. has been introduced. And as a result, a number of small towns throughout America see a sharp increase in crime and a sharp decrease in local revenue. But Some towns served as quite an oasis for the criminal underworld. Grace, uh, coincidentally, (laughs) you have mentioned this in the past on this Uh podcast. So I'm very excited to delve a little bit more into your little tangent, that little happenstance passing statement that you made. For example, Kansas City, Missouri, along with, I believe, other towns in Missouri, as you Uh noted a couple episodes back. Kansas City in particular was a bustling and booming town during this time of prohibition, uh, specifically during what was called the Pendergrast era, which I'm not going to get into all that. The political nerd in me really wants to, but that's a whole other story for a whole Uh other podcast. (laughs) But essentially during this era where this guy named TJ Pendergrast was like the political boss in this city, there was this huge increase in development and construction projects that pretty much like shaped the town as an innovation hub. And interestingly, probably even more interestingly, that kind of led to like zero arrests and charges for anyone at all consuming alcohol or gambling in that city during the entire era of prohibition. So there was like no one arrested. I don't know, maybe the police just never saw it happening. (laughs) (laughs) Or maybe they were told to not intervene. Mm. Doesn't matter. Either way, in this like bastion of bootlegging, this like little oasis in middle America, there happened to be just one family essentially that controlled all of the like alcohol distribution and like bootlegging operations. And this family was none other than the Kansas City crime family, a.k.a. the OG Kansas City Mafia, a.k.a. some straight up gangsters from Sicily who like immigrated to America in 1912. The the DiGiovanni family. Wait, this is not speculation. This is like, no, this is real. This is real history. (laughs) Someone that I learned to write this episode. Okay. So Peter and Joe De Giovanni, they fled from Sicily in 1912 and they landed in KCMO. And essentially they became like the only enterprise, we'll say, <laughs> who was bootlegging alcohol during Prohibition um, in oh. Kansas City. So they pretty much ran the town at that time. So, <laughs> Grace, you kind of let in there. Is this wild speculation? Or yeah, not? I was like, no. wait, did you make up this family? But oh no, this was like a no, real this family. Is real. And what the fuck does it have to do with today's episode? Of yeah. course, currently Dawn. What does this have to do with gangsters, mobsters, and prohibition? Uh huh. Well, first of all, these just so happen to be some of my favorite topics. So I couldn't let it slide by <laughs> without just like throwing that in there because love me a good mafia and gangster mm-hmm. movie. Love me some like crime history when it revolves around the mafia world and honestly how much it kind of like helped build America anyway other podcasts so and also because for another time 
maybe bonus content? No. Whole other <laughs> podcast, as we often say. So this episode, though, it has to deal with this stuff because the villains in today's episode are none other than like old timey 1930s gangsters. Oh, straight up who happen upon the bag family farm and. Honestly, I'm going to call it quite a supernatural way. So we're going to be combining a little bit of mafia speculation and a little bit of like otherworldly, perhaps astral plane and astral projection related wild (laughs) speculation all into one. Okay. This is why I told you to buckle up and get Uh ready because today is going to be a wild ride. (laughs) Okay. I'm ready. And I also, you know, if there are any mobsters and mobsters, is listening that none of diorite was interested in this topic he came right on over um, oh, oh there's the good boy yeah, hi first podcast appearance he can't camera. hear me but i'm i'm no, saying hello can't. to him but he's like i'm here to listen i love mob stories too but if there <laughs> are any mobsters listening please don't take offense this is all satire please all don't come satire. after us Yes. And yeah. I will say too, I like wanted to go a little bit more in depth about the De Giovanni family and like how their enterprise kind of like was, I shouldn't say necessarily inherited, but like eventually taken over by other families. And technically like a subset of it is still, still active today. Yeah, so I was like, I'm not going to name anyone who is still uh-huh. alive because <laughs> I like my life. <laughs> Exactly. It's and very I think lovely my family and, like and closest it. friends and loved ones also like theirs. <laughs> so we will not wildly speculate about any real world figures today, only yes. about the villains in this episode of Courage the yes. Cowardly Dog. Correct. So, and to that end, um, I'm going to just loosely refer to any real world figures as the Casey Mafia, rather okay. than like actually name dropping, you know, so that it's like I'm, I'm speaking very broadly here, not accusing anyone of anything or trying to like piece together any unsolved crimes here, y'all. Just <laughs> talking about a cute episode of this, this cartoon. Okay, I'm going to double up. <laughs> so... Anyway, some wild speculation here. Yes. Um, As I mentioned earlier, the Casey Mafia, they were running Kansas City at this point during this era of prohibition. And people around Casey, Kansas City, they were so afraid of them. They would not dare to cross paths with them. But at the same time, everyone kind of wanted to be one of them. They wanted Mm. to be in the in crowd, wanted to be part of the mafia themselves such as the five young members of the local clutching foot gang, as uh, we will call them, probably named by the number of just like shoes that they stole right off of people's feet or something like that, or Mm. from clutching folks' feet as they were like robbing them blind. I don't Mm. know. But nonetheless, this gang, they were led by a young street smart, kind of like the big guy. He was the one in charge. His name was Hal. And they nicknamed him the big toe of the clutching foot. (laughs) Oh, my God. Okay, got it. (laughs) And then there were other members like Indy, Maddie, Tom and Pinky making out the rest of the clutching foot (laughs) gang. And so this was a small but fierce group of young men who just wanted nothing more than to be made men in the KCMO Mm. mafia. And so they pretty much started at the bottom of the ladder, 
running these small jobs for capos or like the captains who like mm. oversee the little soldiers of the <laughs> I got to go into mob like structure and hierarchy, hierarchy yeah. quite a bit. It was very fun. And I did yeah. watch the mob movies as well over the past week or so. To, I like, will say I did have to even resist being like, Alexis, why don't you tell our listeners what a being a made man means? And then I was like, <laughs> no, we don't have to go into like all of the like intricacies and interesting things. Yeah, about true. Essentially, though, you're right, though. <laughs> I shouldn't assume that everyone listening also like loves mob movies and like mafia history <laughs> yes, and all that. Do. Yeah. If you don't know what being a made man or whatever being made in the mafia is, it's essentially like being initiated. Yeah. I think in old school times, you had to like actually be Italian or something, or you had to be yeah. sponsored by someone actually in the mafia. They would bring you in. Usually you had to prove your worth, which is like probably causing killing a lot of someone. crime and or killing yeah. someone. <laughs> so yes, uh, the Clutching Foot Gang, they wanted to be made. I don't know if they were Italian, so they probably had to get a sponsor, someone to help bring them in. So they had to build some trust with these capos like i said aka captains who are like two steps below like the don the big boss and they're the ones who carry out like the street duties and stuff like that and share a cut with the don honestly it's kind of interesting for such like for organizations that like have no law or whatever like don't follow the law there's a lot of organization (laughs) it's very a lot of hierarchy don't recommend doing it y'all or getting involved (laughs) but like good job with the hierarchy here (laughs) anyway. So this clutching foot gang, they would just start small at the bottom of the ladder, doing small jobs, like making deliveries and working counters, cleaning up some scenes of whatever (laughs) may have happened, trying to work their way up the hierarchy and trying to become loyal foot soldiers for the mafia. They really just were trying to get respect that they thought that they deserved And so Hal, the big toe, he knew that he had to like try to make an impression on the capos whenever they would come and like seek him out to do some jobs. Right. Mm -hmm. So he would like kind of put on this this tough guy twang and would try Mm -hmm. to like, you know, make sure that they remembered him talking all tough, saying, you know, yeah, (laughs) all that. I was hoping there would be impressions. There, oh, there will be, and there will be a lot of good. accents or a lot of impressions coming down the good, road. Good, just good. you wait. So eventually, though, he would like kind of lay on a little too strong with the tough guy front and like trying to impress the capo. So it's like kind of a red flag for them and the family. Uh, like this guy's kind of annoying, but he does always get the the work done, and he does mm-hmm. always show up to the job on time, and he's always got his four buddies who are ready to help him, which is like okay, many hands means less work or whatever the saying goes like. So the family, they're still pretty willing, the Casey Mafia, they're still pretty willing to work with Hal and the rest of the Clutching Foot gang whenever they felt like they were needed. Mm. And seeing the grit and determination and loyalty to the crime family that the Clutching Foot gang had, a capo one day and the another mafia vocab slash hierarchy term, the consigliere, AKA (laughs) like the hand of the Don, like the right hand Mm. man. He doesn't actually get involved and do the dirty work, but he's like the chief advisor to the Don, Mm. we'll say. So he and a capo decided to pay a visit to Hal one day. And they told him that they had a job for him, that they wanted him, Hal, to kind of act as somewhat of a, as a capo himself, and lead Uh-oh. his other four soldiers to finish a job that the family had recently started. 
And they were telling how that if he came out clean, if the gang did everything right and was successful, they'd immediately sponsor them to join the mafia as Ooh, official this members. Big get. Exactly. This and they share a taste with the Don. Right. And so Hal is hearing this like, holy shit, the capo yeah. telling me this is one thing, but the consigliere is here as well. Like in yeah. my fucking in my house telling me that I could be a made man. I've got to do this. Yeah, so okay. Hal, he quickly accepts and he and the rest of the clutching foot gang arrived, of course, right on time right place exactly to do what they were cared what they were told to do unfortunately though and as we could all suspect and expect the job quickly went south and almost as quickly how realized that they weren't really actually being used to like win this war or like complete this job against the rivaling gang, but they were actually being used as pawns in a firefight to just essentially eliminate this rival faction of gang members who were threatening the mafia's bootlegging operations. So unfortunately, they were just kind of bait to draw out a larger crowd. And unfortunately, this firefight left no survivors and the clutching foot gang, these young spry, ready to be made men were no more. So now it's the end of the episode. Thanks everyone. The yeah. are dead. Right. And that's it. I'm not really sure how they are going to get involved with courage at this rate. Yeah. If they're like, you know, dead, super dead, but that's where my episode gets weird. Audience <laughs> members. Cause you see they were scorned and they were vengeful they did not expect to die that day and even worse off they never had a proper burial so their souls were not happy in the afterlife their souls continue to live on in the astral plane (laughs) i wildly speculate Uh and so scorned and vengeful from the beyond or whatever you and your faith practice want to call it uh-huh. they essentially this five group this five members of the clutching foot gang their souls at least they essentially searched and searched throughout the beyond or the upside down or the astral <laughs> plane or wherever whatever show faith practice you want to base this on uh-huh. i like it and they wanted to find a way for their spirits to rejoin with their physical bodies so that they could get revenge on the Casey Mafia and all other gangsters who had gotten in their way and essentially led to their death and demise. And after many, many years of searching and looking throughout the beyond, they finally could sense an opening to the physical realm, not too, too far away from Kansas City, actually, Uh only about a state over. (laughs) Uh And so they could sense that this opening, it was very welcoming to creepy and eerie spirits and demons and monsters and the like. And they could even sense that a suitable vessel with energy negative enough to accept their souls could be found through this opening. Uh So they ventured through the astral plane to this bastion (laughs) of ghostly energy and, and they saw a light a very small sliver of light. And it was the entrance actually to this physical world, but they weren't quite sure that they could make it through this little opening, but damn it, they had to try. Mm -hmm. So they did. 
And as it turns out, this opening was through a little cut, actually, a cut on a foot, a cut on the foot of a vessel for these spirits. And the vessel, they found out, happened to be an older man, an angry man, (laughs) a man who seemed to not have much to live for. (laughs) He was a farmer and he had a wife and even a dog, but he unfortunately lived in the middle of nowhere. Mm. And this vessel's name is Eustace Bag. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And now... We end our wild speculation and we get to the episode. Yes, okay. We see Muriel and Eustace and Courage fast asleep. And it's adorable. Actually, Courage is like at the foot of the bed. And Eustace, though, he starts rubbing his feet together very ferociously, like his feet are itching. And he starts to like break out in a sweat and he's still asleep though. And so he's like fever dreaming and rolling around, tossing and turning in bed, like shouting and yelling about like wool socks, honestly, as if he's been possessed, Yeah, shaking around and stuff. And he quickly jolts awake and accidentally kicks courage out of the bed. And this like instantly also wakes up Muriel and she's asking him, is something wrong? Why can't you sleep? Yeah. And Eustace just starts yelling about his foot hurting and they like throw the car, the, the carpet. Oh my God. The, the covers, covers off of his foot. And we just see which courage is sitting right next to, by the way, he's like leaned into it. The poor boy. We just see Eustace's left foot is just like fully purple swollen and has this like green these green bumps that of like uh, of like hives growing Uh. all over it the toenails are green Uh. it it, it honestly looks like some sort of paranormal or supernatural (laughs) growth has started to take over his foot Uh. and so Muriel and uh Courage are like leaning in to look at it and they're like okay this is probably some sort of fungus I guess which (laughs) barf oh my god and Muriel is like don't worry though I've got some family remedies we can deal with this so they try a series of Muriel's I guess like Irish or Scottish home remedies which (laughs) Irish and Scottish people and or which sorry I know not to like blend you two together or anything but we just don't know what her accent is please correct (laughs) us if these remedies are actually not in either of your cultures um the first thing they try muriel brings out a bucket full of lobsters and literally just puts eustace's foot in the bucket and you would not be surprised to find out that this does not work at all. It actually yeah. only causes the foot to swell even more. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh-huh. then, so then sense. after that, they try, uh, I think they also try rubbing like a cactus over it, actually. Good. And actually, they may have done that first and the lobster second, my bad. But they try, so they do the cactus, though. They're just like rubbing it over the foot. You would also not be surprised to learn that that did not work and only caused the foot to swell even more. And now he also (laughs) had like cactus pines, like sticking out of his foot. So that's probably going to lead to even worse infection. For real. And for their third and final attempt, courage brings out this like disgusting looking pot of 
maybe some sort of exfoliant. I don't know. It's like this pile of like putrid green looking slop with like worms and bones and like an Ugh. eyeball popping out of it. Um, I don't know I what Muriel's recipe is. I have so yeah. many questions. Um, in a way, I guess we can kind of say that this one works because Eustace puts oh. his foot in and it actually just entirely burns all of his skin off. <laughs> Ew. Uh, but when the skin grows back, it's actually even more swollen and even more rotted and infected. So it was only a temporary fix. So at this point, Muriel's like, dude, you need to just fucking go to the doctor. This is clearly a problem. None of my tried and true, uh, tried and true, tested, whatever, home remedies are working whatsoever. You're going to need medical attention. Yeah. But Eustace is resisting. He's like, I don't need to see no doctor. I just need to take a nap, <laughs> which, <laughs> you know, I get it. Whatever. You're fine. You're, We've you're all been there. Dude. We've all been there. Like, nah, I just need like, I just need water and a nap. <laughs> like, just yeah. give me Tylenol and a nap. That's usually my go-to. Exactly. Tylenol and some sleep. Um, but also to be fair, they live in the fucking middle of nowhere. Like healthcare in America is already an, a massive issue. You think that they have access to a hospital from the middle of like nowhere, whatever, it's probably Mm. like an entire day trip. Like, all right, let me go pack my bag to go visit the hospital this weekend. (laughs) So I kind of understand where Eustace is coming from. Yes. And also as my wild speculation suggests, no mere doctor can handle this issue at this rate. He's going to need like an exorcist, an exorcism yeah. to come, or something like a priest to come in to handle yeah. this. Specifically so, like an Italian Roman Catholic priest. Yes. The mob. <laughs> He's he got like the grace on like the long uh, chain with like the cross yeah. hanging at the bottom. <laughs> Holy water. Yeah. You like hear the Italian opera like behind him as he walks in. Uh, (laughs) Very dramatic, like black velvet with like the red inserts in his cloak (laughs) and everything. Just like way too intense. Uh But since you know that's also probably not accessible, do tell. What they do instead. What they do instead. Well, he takes his own advice and he goes and sits in his chair and takes a nap. (laughs) He decides to rest his eyes for a bit. And actually, when he wakes up, he does feel refreshed. And he's like, you know, stretching, saying, yeah, that's all I needed. Just needed to take a nap. And he actually had like the newspaper on his lap, too. So it's like he was reading that and then kind of dozed off. Mm. But as he tosses the newspaper off of his lap into the side, he looks down and realizes that while he was napping, the foot fungus growth went from only being on his foot to now overtaking all of his legs and is now like coming up to his waist. So from the waist down, he is just now a giant purple foot with green hives breaking out over it. Gross. Possession is gross. And when we zoom in, we see that each toe of the foot actually has like a face on it. And each toe has its own personality as well, with the big toe taking the personality of Hal, mm-hmm. the mobster who is leading this clutching foot gang, 
in the olden days, back in the 1920s in Kansas City. That's right. So Eustace is terrified at this point, and he's realizing that the fungus is actually still growing. So it's like in the middle of overtaking his body when he wakes up from his from his nap and he's like screaming as it grows and essentially just like sucks his entire body into it to the point where all that remains in the family room is this giant purple foot. Ah, That's it. With the faces on each toe. Yes. So again, I mentioned each toe possesses the personality of one of these gangsters from the Clutching Foot Gang. And so they're all talking like in that old 1920s (laughs) gangster, like um, the big, okay. Let's hear it. Uh, Let me get into character here. Okay. So immediately Hal, he's just like, I'm the big toe, you see? And what I say, go, say, yes. (laughs) (laughs) To which all the other toes respond, yeah, boss, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And thus, I suspect that the spirits of the Clutching Foot gang, they indeed were able to escape the beyond, the upside down, the astral plane, whatever. And they entered the vessel but the entrance wasn't the best of entrances, yeah. as I said, like a little cut on Eustace's foot or something. And so it unfortunately led them to just like taking the shape of this putrid fungus that's now <laughs> taken over Eustace's entire body. So <laughs> this is something else for the supernatural fans out there. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, God. But- Nonetheless, the Clutching Foot Gang, they are immediately ready to just like get right back to where they left off before they were unfortunately murdered in that firefight. And they are just ready to carry out all sort of gangster activities and work their way back up towards the helm of the middle American criminal world, which (laughs) hilarious because like they're so out of touch, still talking like 1930s gangsters and like. (laughs) plotting these things that like gangsters back then would have done when like in the yes but like (laughs) in the real world prohibition was ended shortly after they were killed and now all of those old gangster families from back then from like all over the world it's like they no longer do like the street level stuff now they like work on wall street and like they work in casinos in las vegas and like (laughs) run studios in hollywood it's yeah it's not the same you're gonna have to learn a new business model but we will soon hilariously see yeah also they're a giant foot so like (laughs) They're also just a foot. They have like that's the first thing they need to address <laughs> before like. But this one had stopped them. <laughs> okay, they've had they've dealt with enough shit already. They're yeah. like a foot. And you bring up okay. a good point here. They do realize that they are a foot, so they're like shit. Okay, it's going to be hard for us to do these things. Yes, but good thing we've got this woman, this old lady, and this dog here now who can carry out some of these crimes for us. So Muriel and Courage, they walk into the family room and just see this giant foot there that's like speaking in this old timey 1920s, 1930s gangster accent. And they immediately freak out. And Muriel's like, oh my God, what have you done with Eustace? Where is he? 
in the big toe, um, Hal, he is very, very rude. I just full disclosure, full disclosure, I want to say what he, I'm going to quote him here, but it's very, very mean. He says. He's a 1930s man. Exactly. So yes, literally zero respect for women. Uh And he says, shut up, fat woman. (laughs) Whoa. (laughs) Whoa. Mariel was probably like, you sis, is that you? (laughs) <laughs> yeah right oh my god he is in there <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, yikes big no-no don't say that to people anyone yeah. but Hal continues on you won't be needing your husband anymore see so listen up we're gonna pull a heist you see yeah a heist it's Sunday and the banks are closed so we're gonna knock a bank see <laughs> so so the first thing Hal is doing is like, all right, we're going to go rob a bank here, Muriel. Stop talking. Encourage. He's like, Muriel, get away from them. They're dangerous gangsters. But Muriel, <laughs> rather than running away from this giant and clearly criminal and dangerous and deranged foot, uh-huh. she leans in and she actually starts like yelling at him like, oh, you better bring back my husband. What's wrong with you? Who do you think you are talking to me like that? Damn, Muriel. The foot doesn't care. So it like literally jumps up and lands directly on top of Muriel. Or is it smushes trapping her? her, smushing her and trapping her underneath. She's still alive, but it is holding her hostage. Mm. And at this point, the big toe commands courage to drive them to the bank or the uh. fat lady gets it. Saying, this is actually surprisingly, this like old timey mobster accent is a lot harder to do than like doctorable's accent (laughs) there's something about like traveling back in time like why why did everyone talk like that back then even if you like listen to like fdr like his uh speeches he always talked like a blessing everything like what was it before 1960 that made americans speak that way (laughs) and it was like the lead in the water or something like that (laughs) all the lead paint I mean, they still put lead paint in way too many buildings. <laughs> True. So people in True. Flint don't talk like that. Yeah. <laughs> you're right. You're right. Uh, terrible joke. But yeah, it's pre. Uh-huh. That was good. Uh, um, so anyway, Courage, he drives them to the bank in nowhere and he, he takes the truck. And so the Bigfoot and Muriel are like in the truck bed and Courage, Courage he's, driving. So, he's driving. He looks so distressed as he's driving. He can't even see over the wheel by the way. He's such a good boy. And so the big, the big toe tells him, okay, dog, now you break into the bank and you bring us all the dough. See now, see? And so Courage he like shakes his head like, uh-huh, uh-huh, got it. And the big toe's like, all right, well, go do it now or else we're going to put the squeeze on the fat lady, <laughs> you see? And from like the back of the truck, you just hear Muriel screaming like, oh my God, no! Oh, no. So they're like actively torturing her yeah, and damn. holding her hostage, like telling Courage, go in and steal all the shit from this bank vault. I know. So courage, he totally leans into this like burglar thief kind of role. Uh-huh. Actually, adorably, he's he's got on like these navy blue boots, which are like they kind of look like Timberlands, not gonna <laughs> lie. Like those fly ass, like Tim boots, but they're navy. And he's got like this dark blue 
jacket on. Oh my and, gosh, like, this he's navy like, and gray door. beanie. <laughs> Oh, the beanie. <laughs> beanie and everything like pulled down like right over his eyes and he's like he's holding so a flashlight and he looks so cute but also badass like scoping out the bank and stuff <laughs> looking around and so he breaks in through um an atm in a way that only courage could and he works his way through the air ducts directly towards the bank vault and when he gets to the vault door, he decides that he has to break it open with um, like a bundle of dynamite. So he just puts okay. it like affixes it onto the door and like kind of like runs and hides. <laughs> uh-huh. But unfortunately, the dynamite works too well and uh, blows up the entire bank. <laughs> yes. uh. So courage is now like like a terrorist kind of. <laughs> Yeah, the the dynamite like blows him out of the bank as well and like right back into the truck (laughs) and we just see like paper like flying paper it's just honestly it is just paper money (laughs) money's construct oh god here we go again other podcast other podcast slash go back several episodes of our podcast We talked about this in our Darkwing arc, I think. Oh, we did. Anyway, so the big toe is furious at this point, saying that Courage ruined the money. The plan didn't work. And he's already like, all right, we got to go hop in the car, Courage. We got to escape. So Courage peels it out of there. But the big toe is already concocting their next plan. So he's like, all right, dog, we're going to drive by some nearby railroad tracks, you say. So they drive over there. And the big toe, he tells Courage to get out and just, like, stand on the railroad tracks. He doesn't really explain what they're going to do when the train gets there. But Courage, he's just like standing still on these railroad tracks uh but he's like definitely like shaking and nervous too like oh my god what's about to happen what are they making me do yeah and this train actually starts approaching very quickly and um sorry i forgot to mention courage is also eating slash like snacking on a banana while he's standing on these train tracks cool cool so as the train approaches courage just like quickly like throws the banana peel in front of it and then kind of like punches (laughs) over like oh my god what's gonna happen but the train is able to come to a screeching halt right in front of them and the giant foot fungus, he's like right off the tracks to the side of Courage. And he's like standing there and right as the, or but I guess, does a foot stand? Yeah. Sorry, yeah. it's random. This is now getting sitting philosophical. There. Sitting there, existing resting there. there. He's existing there. there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's resting there with Muriel underneath him. Casually. Oh, calmly. <laughs> he's torturing over there. Be torturing Muriel. <laughs> uh-huh, but good. anyway. So right as the train comes to the screeching halt in front of Courage, um, he the, the foot like jumps up and tries to kick the train, but it turns out that Courage, the 
he threw the banana peel, but it didn't land right in front of the train. It landed like off to the side of it. So the foot slips on the banana peel and (laughs) kicks the train a little too hard. Oh, oh, this backfired. Fucking flying like dozens of miles, just like you see it like fly over into like the horizon, like into the sunset, essentially. Like he just kicks that shit off screen. And people probably died. Probably like there was at least a conductor on that train Uh at a minimum. Anyway, so is that also Courage's fault? Kind of. Courage is like quickly falling down this domestic terrorist role. Anyway, the big toe is again furious, saying that Courage made him kick too hard and that he again messed up the plan. And Courage is like freaking out at this point, like, oh my God, that's two strikes now. They're going to fucking kill me and Muriel and we'll never yeah. get Eustace back. Eh. So, yeah, right. And that, that's fine. <laughs> it's really just Muriel that they're worried about. So, yeah. They all go back to the farmhouse and they're like crowded in the family room. And the foot fungus is looking over a map of what appears to be Florida. <laughs> LOL. <laughs> that's where all the gangsters retire to. Oh, true. Miami, South Florida. That's that's where a lot of gangsters are made and where they retire. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So they're like, this is the perfect place for us. Saying we got to go down here. See, that's what all Whoa. the books are telling us. They uh, <laughs> finally caught up with the movie Scarface and they saw yeah, like, oh, <laughs> apparently we got to go down here. So like, wait, you can do crime year round. You don't have to stop in the winter. Like the Missouri <laughs> Kansas winters suck. Wow. Year round crime. It's awesome. We can like get rum from Miami. Cuba too or something. Who knows? We can exactly. diversify this portfolio. <laughs> so the big toes, like essentially piggybacking off of what we're joking about here big toes like i've been thinking too small see (laughs) we gotta go bigger we're gonna pull a big job a real job we're gonna knock over florida see (laughs) i don't know what that means i guess he said knock over a bank earlier to mean like rob a bank i guess so maybe he's Mm -hmm. saying we're gonna rob florida (laughs) all of florida (laughs) by all of florida I don't know. They're going to like just go town by town, robbing every town. Not like, I don't know. This huh. giant foot making its way through Florida. Like, like not honestly, the weirdest thing Florida's seen that day. Exactly. Go back to our crime caper about Florida. This is all coming full circle. Uh-huh. We're, bringing, we're bringing it all together. Uh, wow. We've covered many of these topics in the past. So if you're <laughs> if you're new to the podcast or the vodcast, go through our library and uh, catch up. You'll see we, we've covered many of these issues. <laughs> so at this point, Mur- Muriel is finally like, okay, I need to speak up. I need to try to stop this this giant foot gang gang gangsters. Gang. I don't know. Yeah. Um, she's like, um, excuse me. I think knocking Florida over is against the law, right? (laughs) Encourage at this point, while, you know, the foot and Muriel are distracted about this, he like sneaks upstairs and honestly does what they should have done. As soon as they saw that uh, Eustace's foot was infected, he uh, goes on the computer and looks up a way to get rid of the fungus. He, AKA like WebMD that shit, (laughs) dude, which... First time WebMD is like the worst case scenario that it always gives is true. Yeah, it's true. Worst case. 
Uh, you WebMD, giant foot fungus has taken over my owner's body. WebMD immediately says, mm, mm-hmm. it's a demonic presence, actually. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to need to get an exorcism. <laughs> Sounds like you've got an astral plane problem. <laughs> you want some Neosporin for the cut that opened up to the astral plane? Yeah. <laughs> Take some Advil as well <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> for the swelling. <laughs> <laughs> um so the computer obviously being a little bit sassy at first is like well before i give you a cure i'm gonna need a sample and so courage is like ew i'm gonna need to go and like actually touch this thing so he runs back downstairs and he sneaks a sample off of the foot and plots it right down into the um like the scanner and uh, actually, hilariously, while he runs down there to get the sample off the foot, it's still just going on about Florida, like, oh, yeah, we'll take this place and we'll take the brass ring and the pot of gold and Burt Reynolds Dinner Theater. <laughs> and like, <laughs> just like still scheming and everything. It's like, but not Boca Raton. I hate Boca Raton. <laughs> okay. Which also, Damn, I'm pretty Ryder's sure Boca courage. Raton is rich as shit. So, like, that would probably be, like, the first place that you want to go it's steal like the stuff. the only place you need to hit. Yeah. Right, like, they don't Any- know what the rest of Florida looks like, clearly. Like, inland Florida? They're, they're so stuck in the 20s. <laughs> they're so stuck. Yeah. They have no clue. There's, like, a whole football team in Jacksonville now. It's like, I know there's not much else going on there, but, like, there's probably some wealth if you've got a national yeah. football, an NFL team. Anyway. So Courage, he runs this sample back up to the computer, plops it down on the scanner, and the computer, like, does its little beep and booping and deliberates, and mm-hmm. it's at first disgusted by the fungus <laughs> naturally and probably yeah. can, like, sense, in my wild speculation, at least can sense that this is not, like, an earthly presence yeah. <laughs> that is in this fungus, but... After doing all of its deliberating, it tells Courage that really the only cure for the foot fungus is dog spit. (laughs) Ew. (laughs) And so Courage is like immediately traumatized, like, oh no. He's like looking around, like, okay, so where do I find a dog? (laughs) Anyone? Anyway, oh, you mean me? I'm, <laughs> I'm not a dog. You know how dogs always like, or at least we joke around with Reese and our family very often. Like, we're pretty sure she doesn't realize she's a dog. <laughs> we're pretty sure she thinks she's one of us. Like, yep. why can't I eat at the table? I'm one of you. Why can't I like lay in the bed? I'm one of you. Courage is like, like I'm not a dog. Me? But yeah. Oh. I'm learning something about myself today. (laughs) Too much today. (laughs) So courage runs back downstairs and uh, poor boy. Good boy though. He like just totally prepares himself mentally. He sneaks up behind this giant foot, just sticks out his tongue and just licks this entire foot, which for the people with foot fetishes are probably love. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like, courage is not that person we, we, you needed one of those people in that neither of us no this no one in the room right now is one of those people so <laughs> he's just licking this entire foot 
and we slowly start to see the fungus disappear. And the fungus is loving it, actually. It's like, oh, oh. stop, you stupid dog. You're tickling me. This isn't right. <laughs> stop it. Stop it. See? <laughs> yeah. And the fungus is slowly disappearing, though. And Eustace reappears. And he just looks so dazed and totally out of it confused perhaps he's yes, like indeed. he has just been possessed essentially and like he doesn't yeah. know where he is Makes sense. but courage he's like just spitting and hacking and like essentially like low-key throwing up from yep. licking all of that <laughs> and sense. he immediately starts flossing and brushing his teeth but unfortunately as he's flossing we start to hear a murmur from his mouth, a little bit of like, a, oh, open your mouth, see? And as Courage opens his mouth and sticks his tongue out, he sees that the big toe personality has actually now just taken over his tongue. <laughs> so he's gone from being the big toe to the big tongue. And the tongue is already scheming and concocting its next plan, a.k.a. the spirit of at least how the big toe, oh my God. it got back in the astral plane and hopped right back out into courage. Damn. The fungus off. I don't know. That's the end of the episode, y'all. This was a toughie. <laughs> he needs to go to um, an exercising dentist. Get that shit out. <laughs> Can dentist. that be a new line, a new business venture? Like, wait a minute. <laughs> Are your teeth feeling a little demonic lately? <laughs> <laughs> then come on down. Not only do we clean your teeth, we clean your spirit. <laughs> <laughs> we clean your soul. <laughs> yeah, we clean your soul. <laughs> wow. Yes. Um, Sign me up. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm there. I'll, I'll go to dental school real quick, figure out how to do this. <laughs> anyway, yes. So that is the end of the clutching wow. foot. Uh, <laughs> I I got to say, I had a lot of fun writing this episode because. So first of all, like I said before, this is one that I vividly remember watching mm. when I was younger. Like this is definitely one of my favorite Courage episodes. Yes. And also because just like as a side note, the A part of this episode is the episode with King Ramsey's curse. I don't know if you oh, remember that yes. one. And so overall, I just think that this is like one of the best like A and B parts, yeah, like, like at full episode. episodes of Courage. So I was very excited to do it. Nice. But also because from a young age and even to this day, I always remember just asking myself like, where the fuck did this gangster foot come? What but now we know. Sure. In, in my mind, sure. this is not easy to come up with. I'm just like not trying it. to get like praise or anything here. But I just want to say after watching this, I was like, I have to do this episode because I love it. But how? But how the fuck am I going to do this episode? <gasps> I love so, it. All I could think of was the spirit of some gangster somehow infected. <laughs> I love foot. every second of it. There we go. I hope that John Dilworth, who is the director of pretty mm -hmm. much every episode of Courage, I hope he somehow comes upon this and he's like, <laughs> oh my God, thank you for the filling in the holes. <laughs> yeah. The perfect backstory. Yeah, because it needed one. There was <laughs> yeah. no explanation. But I will say sometimes it's better when like there is no explanation for this random weird Seven. monster, which, by the way, our first actual monster, I would like oh. to say, encourage. Um, True. 
Yeah. So great job. <laughs> thank you. I hope you all enjoyed that weirdness. And yes, I love um, every second of this. Yeah, it was fun. I, I I had to do some fun background research on mafia <laughs> shit and on the astral plane <laughs> to yep. like set my mind right. <laughs> so I feel like a whole new person now. <laughs> like yes. I've had an out of body experience myself. <laughs> Much like they did. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. Great job. So, Great job. Thank you. Um, and to that end, we are now winding down, y'all, on our courage arc. We've been having yeah. fun. We've got just two more episodes. We've been having fun with the last six, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, we're winding down. We're preparing for what we've got in store next, Very actually. Special. And we know it's far in the future. We've got a few more weeks till we get there, yep. but we are very excited with what yes. we're gonna do after courage. But We do have two more episodes, like I said, and Grace is going next week. Mm -hmm. So until then, Grace, who do you think the audience should tell about this wonderful podcast of ours? I think that you should find your local mafia (laughs) and tell the Don on the day of his daughter's wedding. Damn. (laughs) Bringing it back again. (laughs) That you should listen to Saturday Morning Mysteries. And then he'll owe you a favor because you recommended this great podcast to him. You come to me on the day (laughs) of my daughter's wedding and you ask me for a favor to listen to this amazing (laughs) podcast. (laughs) I have to do it, but you're going to owe me something in return. And right now, this is us officially saying we're not liable for what you owe him. No. Our hands are clean, and he'll listen to this episode and also realize it. So it's all on you, the individual mm-hmm. who tells that Don that and knows that favor, that lifeblood favor, um, not our fault. And to that end, um, <laughs> that was a great impression, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm a very big fan of mob movies and mafia <laughs> movies. So I, I may have been channeling something there from my yes, youth. Good. Anyway, sure. so uh, to that end, as you are leaving your meeting with the Don in uh, what I assume is probably some opulent, marble floored, whatever, beautiful room. Uh-huh. On your way out, I want you to actually just uh, tell the doorman <laughs> as well. <laughs> He's important, too. He's super important, actually, because he sees everyone who comes in and out of Mm -hmm. that building. So make sure you get on his good side because he he has the tea on everything. Tell him. And because the doorman may also be, you know, in communication with the drivers and stuff as they Mm -hmm. come up and drop people off. And he can just yell over to a driver like, hey, someone just told me to watch Saturday Morning Mysteries. (laughs) You should watch it, too. You got to drive someone around. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Well, I, we do need to really try to appeal more to our mob audience, the mob demographic. Yes. Yeah. An untouched um, demo. It is. But we're, they're we're not they're not quite the lost in. demo, but they are untouched and untouchable. Uh-huh. The untouchable <laughs> demo. We're breaking through yeah. though, baby. We're kicking we that are. door down like that demonic foot. Exactly. Is this us just like trying to um essentially like 
be brown nosers to the mafia. Like, yes. yeah, we definitely have to cater to our mob audience. They, we love them. We love them. Please don't hurt <laughs> us or our families. <laughs> you know what? My favorite restaurant in Boston is definitely still mob run. So like, yes, I am and trying to suck I up mean, so I can get those free cannolis for life. Yeah. Somehow. And I currently live outside of a city that is entirely mob run. So <laughs> anyway, we will end it on that note. And, and see we, y'all next week. See y'all next week. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to Saturday Morning Mysteries. If you enjoyed this episode, please share, rate, review, leave us a like and drop a comment. We post episodes every Saturday and bonus tune tangents whenever we feel like it. So please subscribe so you don't miss the shenanigans. And if you want to follow us on YouTube, click the bell under the YouTube subscribe button to receive notifications when new videos are posted. And if you want to subscribe to the podcast, we have no idea what you're listening to us on. So just hit the big subscribe button on whatever app you're using. We, we believe in you. Give us a follow on Twitter and Instagram at SatmorneMist, all the abreeds, and let us know if you have any episode or show requests by emailing SaturdayMorningMysteries at gmail.com. Thanks to Jenna Kendall for the logo design and to Ava Sakiki for the music used during this week's episode. See y'all groovy kids next week on Saturday Morning Mysteries.